Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link atop for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lessons of the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 27, The Body and the Dream, with Section 7, The Purpose of Pain. Hmm. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 292, A Happy Outcome to All Things is Sure. And by way of opening this morning, let's see if I can, here we go. Um, I found this little piece written by Madison Morgan on the topic of joy. And it goes like this. I was convinced life was meant to be hard. Relationships like sandpaper, joy, fleeting, pleasure, sinful, my body, bad, ease, not to be trusted, rest, earned. I crumpled up those beliefs, threw them in the fire, watched them burn bright until they were nothing and began again to claim my joy. I choose to believe heaven was always here. Hmm. A happy outcome to all things is sure. Amen. Amen. Thank, thank you, Lori. Yeah, oh, thank great. you. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Me too. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. That Amen. was fun to find. Oh, there is Lemoyne. Okay, I did collect the reading list. This morning we have Fran, Robin Marie, Jessica, Yvonne, and Donna. And we're joined in listening this morning by Ida, Judy, and Micah. And is there anyone else who's joined us who'd like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. Steve here. Yo. Hi, Steve. You want to read, hon? I'll just listen. You're listening. Okay. Glad you're here. Thanks. And, okay. So, continuing in Chapter 27, The Body and the Dream, we're reading today's Section 7, The Purpose of Pain. In Paragraph 54, Pain demonstrates the body must be real. It is a loud, obscuring voice whose shrieks would silence what the Holy Spirit says and keep his words from your awareness. Pain compels attention, drawing it away from him and focusing upon itself. Its purpose is the same as pleasure, for they both are means to make the body real. What shares a common purpose is the same. This is the law of purpose, 
which unites all those who share in it within itself. Pleasure and pain are equally unreal because their purpose cannot be achieved. Thus they are means for nothing, for they have a goal without a meaning, and they share the lack of meaning which their purpose holds. Friends. Section 7, The Purpose of Pain, Paragraph 54. Pain demonstrates the body must be real. It is a loud, obscuring voice whose shrieks would silence what the Holy Spirit says and keep his words from your awareness. Pain compels attention, drawing it away from him and focusing upon itself. Its purpose is the same as pleasure, but they both are means to make the body real. What shares a common purpose is the same. This is the law of purpose, which unites all those who share in it within itself. Pleasure and pain are equally unreal, because their purpose cannot be achieved. Thus are they means for nothing, for they have a goal without a meaning, and they share the lack of meaning which their purpose has. 55. Sin shifts from pain to pleasure, and again to pain. For either witness is the same and carries but one message. Quote, you are here within this body, and you can be hurt. You can have pleasure too, but only at the cost of pain. Unquote. These witnesses are joined by many more. Each one seems different because it has a different name, and so it seems to answer to a different sound. Except for this, the witnesses of sin are all alike. Call pleasure pain, and it will hurt. Call pain a pleasure, and the pain behind the pleasure will be felt no more. Sin's witnesses but shift from name to name, as one steps forward and another back. Yet which is foremost makes no difference. Sin's witnesses hear but the call of death. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. Fifty-five. Sin shifts from pain to pleasure and again to pain, for either witness is the same and carries but one message. You are here within this body, and you can be hurt. You can have pleasure too, but only at the cost of pain. These witnesses are joined by many more. Each one seems different because it, because it has a different name, and so it seems to answer to a different sound. Except for this, the witnesses of sin are all alike. Call pleasure pain, and it will hurt. Call pain a pleasure, and the pain behind the pleasure will be felt no more. Sin's witnesses but shift from name to name as one steps forward and another back. Yet which is foremost makes no difference. Sin's witnesses hear but the call of death. 56. This body purposeless within itself, holds all your memories and all your hopes. You use its eyes to see, its ears to hear, and let it tell you what it is. It feels. It does not know. It tells you, but the names you give gave it to use when you call forth the witnesses to its reality. You cannot choose among them which are real, for any one you choose is like the rest. 
this name or that, but nothing more. You choose. You do not make a witness true because you called him by truth's name. The truth is found in him if it is truth he represents. And otherwise he lies, if you should call him holy. If you should call him by the holy name of God himself. Thank you, Robin Marie and Jessica. Uh, are you on mute, Jessica? Um, sorry, I was um, I was um, momentarily distracted. Um, okay. Is it fifty-six? Yes, it is. Uh huh. Okay. Thank you very much. This body, purposeless within itself, holds all your memories and all your hopes. You use its eyes to see, its ears to hear. It does not know. It tells you, but the names you gave to it to use when you called forth the witnesses to its reality. You cannot choose among them which are real, for any one you choose is like the rest. This name or that, but nothing more, you choose. You do not make a witness true because you called him by truth's name. The truth is found in him if it is truth he represents, and otherwise he lies. If you should call him by the holy name of God himself. 57. God's witness sees no witnesses against the body. Neither does he hearken to the witnesses by other names which speak in other ways for its reality. He knows it is not real. For nothing could contain what you believe it holds within. Nor could it tell a part of God himself what it should feel and what its function is. You must Yet must he love whatever you hold dear. And for each witness to the body's death, he sends a witness to your life in him who knows no death. Each miracle he brings is witness that the body is not real. Its pains and pleasures does he heal alike. For all sin's witnesses do his replace. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. And Yvonne. Thank you, Lori. God's witnesses, oh, God's witness, sees no witnesses against the body. Neither does he hearken to the witnesses by other names which speak in other ways for its reality. He knows it is not real. For nothing could contain what you believe it holds within. Nor could it tell a part of God himself what it should feel and what its function is. Yet must he love whatever you hold dear. And for each witness to the body's death, 
He sends a witness to your life in him who knows no death. Each miracle he brings is witness that the body is not real. Its pains and pleasures does he heal alike, and all sin's witnesses do he do his replace. The miracle makes no distinction in the names by which sin's witnesses are called. It merely proves that what they represent has no effects. And this, is, and this it proves because its own effects have come to take their place. It matters not the name by which you called your suffering. It is no longer there. The one who brings the miracle perceived them all as one and called by the name of fear. As fear is witness unto death, so is the miracle the witness unto life. It is a witness no one can deny, for it is the effects of life it brings. The dying live, the dead arise, and pain has vanished. Yet a miracle speaks not but for itself, but what it represents. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Donna. 58. The miracle makes no distinction in the names by which sense witnesses are called. It merely proves that what they represent has no effects. And this it proves because its own effects have come to take their place. It matters not the name by which you called your suffering. It is no longer there. The one who brings the miracle perceived them all as one and called by name of fear. As fear is witness unto death, so is the miracle the witness unto life. It is a witness no one can deny, for it is the effects of life it brings. The dying live and the dead arise, and pain has vanished. Yet a miracle speaks not but for itself, but what it represents. 59. Love, too, has symbols in a world of sin. The miracle forgives because it stands for what is for what is past forgiveness and is true for what is past forgiveness and is true how foolish and insane it is to think a miracle is bound by laws which it came solely to undo the law of sin have different witnesses with different strengths and they attest to different sufferings. Yet to the one who sends forth miracles to bless the world, a teeny stab of pain, a little worldly pleasure, and the throes of death itself are but a single sound, a call for healing and a plaintive cry for help within a world of misery. It is their sameness that the miracle attests. It is their sameness that it proves. Thank you, Donna. 
And is there a new reader for 59 and 60? Patricia here. Thank you, Patricia. 59. Love, too, has symbols in the world of sin. The miracle forgives because it stands for what is past forgiveness and is true. How foolish and insane it is to think a miracle is bound by laws which it came solely, solely to undo. The laws of sin have different witnesses with different strengths, and they attest to different sufferings. Yet, to the one who sends forth miracles to bless the world, a tiny stab of pain, a little worldly pleasure, and the throes of death itself are but a single sound. A call for healing and a plaintive cry for help within a world of misery. It is their sameness, their sameness that the miracle attests. It is their sameness, sameness that it proves. Sixty, the laws which call them different are dissolved and shown as powerless. The purpose of a miracle is to accomplish this. And God himself has guaranteed the strength of miracles for what they witness to. Be witnesses unto the miracle and not the laws of sin. There is no need to suffer any more. But there is need that you be healed because the suffering of the world has made it deaf to its salvation and deliverance. Thank you, Patricia. And is there another narrator for 60 and 61? Hey, Lori, I can follow. Thanks, Judy. Hey, be you then witness to the miracle, and not the laws of sin. There is no need to suffer anymore, but there is need that you be healed, because the suffering and the sorrow of the world have made it deaf to its salvation and deliverance. The resurrection of the world awaits your healing and your happiness, that you may demonstrate... <laughs> oh, excuse me. 
the resurrection of the world awaits your healing and your happiness that you may demonstrate the healing of the world. The holy instant will replace all sin if you but carry its effects with you and no one will elect to suffer anymore. What better function could you serve than this? Be healed that you may heal and suffer not the laws of sin be applied to you. And truth will be revealed to you who choose to let love symbols take the place of sin. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader to complete today with 61? Okay, Fran, back to you. 61. <clears throat> the resurrection of the world awaits your healing and your happiness, that you may demonstrate the healing of the world. The holy instant will replace all sin if you but carry its effects with you, and no one will elect to suffer more. What better function could you serve than this? Be healed that you may heal, and suffer not the laws of sin to be applied to you. And truth will be revealed to you who chose to let love symbols take the place of sin. Thank you, Fran. Well, so to touch on a few ideas in this section, the purpose of pain. Uh, from 54, pain demonstrates the body must be real. Pleasure and pain are equally unreal because their purpose cannot be achieved, that is, to make the body real. Thus they are means for nothing, for they have a goal without a meaning and they share the lack of meaning which their purpose has. From 55, sins witnesses but shift from name to name as one steps forward and another back. Yet which is foremost makes no difference since witnesses hear but the call of death. In 56, this body, purposeless within itself, is something that seems to be for use of eyes to see and ears to hear and let it tell you what it feels. It does not know. You call forth the witnesses to its reality. In 57, God's witness sees no witnesses against the body. Neither does he hearken to the witnesses by other names which speak in other ways for its reality. He knows it is not real. For nothing could contain what you believe it holds within. Each miracle he brings is witness that the body is not real. In 58, the miracle makes no distinctions in the names by which sense witnesses are called. It merely proves that what they represent has no effects. And this it proves because its own effects have come to take their place. It matters not the name by which you called your suffering. It is no longer there. The one who brings the miracle perceives them all as one and called by name of fear. 
A miracle speaks not but for itself, but what it represents. Love, in 59, too, has symbols in a world of sin. The miracle forgives because it stands for what is past forgiveness and is true. In 60, the laws which call pain and pleasure different are dissolved and shown as powerless. The purpose of a miracle is to accomplish this, and God himself has guaranteed the strength of miracles for what they witness to. In 61, the resurrection of the world awaits your healing and your happiness, that you may demonstrate the healing of the world. The holy instant will replace all sin if you but carry its effects with you. Be healed that you may heal, and suffer not the laws of sin to be applied to you, and truth will be revealed to you who chose to let love's symbols take the place of sin. Amen. And um, <laughs> just to um, just to clarify the number of times um, the word sin is used in this section, I think um, I think it wise to start with a definition we can all agree on that sin is just his one word description for all the ways ego would deny or doubt or insist that love, unity, innocence, truth, and holiness are not true. Just a one word description for ego's version of truth. So, with that, the floor is open. I like that meaning of sin uh, being missing the mark. Thank you. Mm. Great. Thanks, Patricia. Okay, the silence calls me to tell you why. When I was a teenager and got my driver's license, I ran away, and on Fridays I snuck in to get uh, lessons from a priest about what the Catholic religion was all about. It's the only thing I just wanted to know, what else can I do to understand becoming adult soon. I hid this from my parents. I don't know why. But to not make a long story, eventually um, I uh, continued this and I ended up with a priest and a um, nun teaching me how to teach catechism to let you know how it developed many years later. And as I studied, the, the nun kept saying, Patricia, you keep forgetting. She had me read the books at Arthur as the beginning curriculum to learn how to teach catechism. So that gives you a hint. And this um, 
interpretation, she said, of sin. You've got to get off this good and bad. It's simply when what you're aiming for, you've missed. So you redirect and you look at what you're aiming for, honey. Sin only means missing the mark. So if you want to teach about God, get the judgment out of it now. We left that one long ago. Now, that came from uh, a nun, the nun teaching me. So there's a world, you guys. This, You know, I was shocking I lived that. So I have to tell you, this reminded me when you asked the meaning. Simply let it be missing the mark and look again. And no other right or wrong story need exist. And... Uh, I taught class, and another day I'll tell you what my way I did that. Thank you. No, <laughs> oh, that was a great Thank illustration. You. And Thank very you. interesting, yeah. This is Jessica. Um, I just, I, I really love how in paragraph 55, um, I mean, he makes it very clear that the only p- purpose to pain or pleasure is, um, and all bodily experiences, is just to make the body real. And the fact that it can never succeed is so funny. It's like, yes, I am real. Yes, I am. Listen, and you stubbed your toe, my toe. Your toe hurts, so I must be real. Um, and let's see. What I really, oh yeah, I like this part where he says, call pleasure pain and it will hurt. Call pain a pleasure and the pain behind the pleasure will be felt no more. And that seems like a really great exercise to engage in, at least for me. Um, Because, you know, the labeling really gets in the way of letting go of what, the bodily experiences seem to be saying to my mind or the brain or whatever. Um, You know, it's like I put everything in a category. Oh, this was a good, this is a good thing. This is a bad thing. Oh, that sensation signals such and such is going to happen or is most likely going to happen. But if I flip that whole thing around and say, oh, that feels really good. This gurgling strangeness in my stomach is really interesting and nice. <laughs> oh, I stubbed my toe. That feels really great. It's almost like an orgasm. <laughs> and then when somebody is, you know, massaging me, I could not that I would want to turn it into pain, but just as an exercise, it could be experienced that way. And that's just the, the step away from my witnesses to, to what's going on into the truth of the body not being real. So first I flip it around and then I just let it go. That's my goal. That's my hope. Thank you, guys. Mm, thank you. Thank you, Jessica.
Well, this is Lori, and uh, <clears throat> you know, something interesting about pain and pleasure to me, uh, I find in the concept of sharing. And in this work, he says, if it isn't shared, it isn't real. And that's where I can start to make a distinction um, on this purpose of pain. Well, even the title of the section, The Purpose of the Pain, um, or The Purpose of Pleasure, either one, um, he says the purpose cannot be achieved. And it's very true that if I'm having an experience that seems like pain or even pleasure, for the most part, um, that can't be communicated, you know? Um, that people have tried, tried desperately hard. Uh, to find ways to communicate uh, the experience of pain. But in point of fact, it's a unique experience uh, to everyone who has it. It can't be shared. And that, by definition, means that it can't be real. That doesn't mean that um, the signals that mind interprets as being pain or being pleasure uh, are unreal. Uh, to that person, it just means that in terms of um, truth, it can't be real because it can't be shared. What can be shared uh, is love symbols. <laughs> what can be shared is miracle. What can be shared is love. And, um, and pain and pleasure can't be. And so, I need to start making a distinction about what my mind is doing with either one of those experiences. I came across an interesting quote yesterday that, um, let's see if I can get it exactly right. I have a belief that my body holds me in prison but the body holds in prison only the willing mind that would abide in it. That's where, um, that's where I can find my release. My body, as Mike office often says, is a communication tool. In chapter 18, he says, um, the body is outside you. Here he says, there's nothing that can contain what you really are. What we really are is, oh, there's great lesson for it. Spirit am I, safe and healed and whole. Free to forgive, free to, free to save the world. Um, that cannot be contained in my body. Only, only if I agree that the body is me. Right? So, I do not need to agree that it's me. I need to agree that it's um, my tool. In a, another place in this work, he says, the body becomes 
holy, depending on the use to which I put it. If I use uh, the body to communicate or to share, it is holy by definition. But if I use it to be a prisoner of my mind, I will experience all sorts of things that I will call by various names, all of which are nothing more than a belief that this thing is a cause in and of itself rather than an effect. Uh, I think we have one unmuted line. I'm just going to tap a line here. Here we go. So in order to find my freedom, he says, all I need to do is turn to the Holy Spirit and ask for a miracle of forgiveness. For the longest time, I, I couldn't figure out how how does one apply um, the idea of forgiveness to the body. <laughs> um, but what it means to me today is that I release the idea that the body can determine my experience in this life. Uh, suffering is of the mind. And I can experience all sorts of sensations in my body, but do not have to call them suffering. Um, my mind is always free. And when I use my mind uh, in accord with the will of the Holy Spirit on a moment-to-moment basis, the experience of pain no longer holds my attention in the same way that he talks about in paragraph 54. Um, it need not compel my attention and my awareness of the presence of love. So um, maybe that's just a conversation starter. <laughs> it's a conversation starter for me anyway. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. That was good. Thank you. Well, and maybe that was a sufficient segue into the top of the hour um, <laughs> where we can talk about a happy outcome to all things is sure. Um, so why don't I turn it over to you, Fran, and thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook <coughs> on the new theme is what is the real world? And the lesson for today is lesson 292. A happy outcome to all things is sure. Uh, so read some from what is the real world? The real world is a symbol, like the rest of what perception offers. Yet it stands for what it's opposite to what you made. Your world is seen through eyes of fear and brings the witnesses of terror to your mind. The real world cannot be perceived except through eyes forgiveness blesses. So they see a world where terror is impossible and witnesses to fear cannot be found. The real world holds a counterpart for each unhappy thought 
reflected in your world. A sure correction for the sights of fear and sounds of battle which your world contains. The real world shows a world seen differently through quiet eyes and with a mind at peace. Nothing but rest is there. The real world is a symbol that the dream of sin and guilt is over and God's Son no longer sleeps. The real world signifies the end of time, for its perception makes time purposeless. The Holy Spirit has no need of time when it has served His purpose. Now He waits but that one instant more for God to take His final step and time has disappeared. Taking a perception with it as it goes and leaving but the truth to be itself. That instant is our goal for it contains the memory of God. Now we'll go over to the lesson. <clears throat> lesson 292. A happy outcome to all things is sure. <clears throat> God's promises make no exceptions. And he guarantees that only joy can be the final outcome found for everything. Yet it is up to us when this is reached how long we let an alien will appear to be opposing his. And while we think this will is real, we will not find the end he has appointed as the outcome of all problems we perceive, all trials we see, and every situation that we meet. Yet is the ending certain, for God's will is done in earth and heaven. We will seek and we will find according to his will, which guarantees that our will is done. We thank you, Father, for your guarantee of only happy outcomes in the end. Help us not interfere and so delay the happy endings you have promised us for every problem that we perceive, for every trial we think we still must meet. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. A happy outcome to all things is sure. We thank you, Father, for your guarantee of only happy outcomes in the end. Help us not interfere and so delay the happy endings you have promised us for every problem that we perceive, for every trial we think we still must meet. Lesson 292, a happy outcome to all things is sure.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Jessica. <laughs> this lesson is just kind of, I mean, they all are so beautiful and such gifts, such beautiful gifts. This one is just amazing because guess what? I <laughs> I can really retire now. Um I spent much of my life thinking that it was my job to try to uh, ensure happy outcomes for everyone I knew, <laughs> particularly my family. You know, I uh, had my first child when I was 26, so now I'm 71. So that's a, he's 43, and he has four children. So the happy outcome for all of those people for all three of my children, for for all of my grandchildren, for all of my clients when I was a therapist, I thought those were all, and my husband, and my parents, I mean, the list goes on, my brothers, you know, I, I thought it was my job to smooth the way for the happy outcome for all of those people. Everyone who came into my office to, to seeking help with their lives, and you know, I did learn over time that, um, you know, I didn't I didn't think I had to supply apply the answers or the steps to anything, but I did feel the responsibility to help them find these things. And um, over time, I got Jesus's help. But um, then, I re- a couple of years ago, I retired from my job, and because I knew that my healing depended on letting go of the idea that I was needing to do those things. Um, And I started working on letting go of that job at home with all of my relatives. (laughs) And, And here we go. You know, this is it. A happy outcome to all things is sure. So guess what? I can relax. I'm to relax. That does not mean that I have nothing to do. I am still a minister of God, and God will send me those to join with, to join with in the peace of God, and maybe say some words that are hopefully guided by the Holy Spirit. And and that's part of that happy outcome. But it's not me, the ego, that is in charge of any of it. It's not in charge of the happy outcome of my life or whatever situation I am dealing with on any given day, which there are usually three, four, five, six of them. Um, it's, It's all, you know, so much of what goes on in this illusory world is just a bunch of spinning of wheels and moving of papers and clicking of, of uh, you know, uh, buttons on the phone or the computer that don't really accomplish anything. What, com- what accomplishes is the, is the beautiful surrender to the Holy Spirit and to God and the beautiful trust and patience that a happy outcome to all things is sure. 
and I just can't believe what a what a wonderful gift that is this is um, and I'm so grateful that I believe it and that I have all of you brothers and sisters on this call and in this course and in the world this morning I gave my granddaughter a ride to her school and decided to stop at a um, cafe to get something to eat before coming back. And there was a guy there who was singing. And so I, as he was working, and so I said to him, are you always in such a good mood? Um, And he, we had the most lovely conversation. He was an angel. He said, I think so. You know, I didn't even realize I was singing, but he said, I really like making things for people to help them have a nice day. I mean, um, that's the that's the prayer. I'm here only to be truly helpful. That's what he was doing. He was so beautiful. And I thanked him uh, for his service. I didn't say it like that, but um, it was it was just incredible. And that those are the witnesses to to the truth of why we're here and and what we can do here and it's 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 in releasing um ourselves from the servitude of some sort of a mission that that the ego thinks it knows about it it knows nothing thank you lori i know nothing the ego knows nothing, but I know from the Holy Spirit at any time that I ask, I know what I'm to do and what I'm to say and to whom <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you, guys. Oh, God, that was so great, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jessica. It is always a now experience, isn't it? No, oh, I really love that. Yes. All right. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, everyone. I'm going to um, kick it up a notch and 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 take this to a more generalized understanding of um, the idea of a witness. Who is witnessing, and who is it that thinks it is witnessing what? Whose eyes? Whose eyes am I looking through? Am I looking through the eyes of perception, through the eyes of the body, through the eyes of interpretation, through the eyes of segments and fragments and words and names where everything seems different? It goes into this quite quite clearly. See what seems different, different, has different names, different sounds. Um, and... I think of the word of the word sin as being um, just the idea that I'm separate. I'm separate and different from. 
Um, but it calls, calls to mind the witnesses of the body, the witnesses to perception, look upon the world to validate the sensorial experience of itself in the world. And the, we've read this in the text where it talks about the body being a sensorial perception receiver. It's receiving all these um, and interpreting through its thoughts about it that everything we learn in the world are the thoughts that we have about the world. And it speaks of that in this um, paragraph 56 where it says, this body holds all our memories, all of our past, and all our hopes, which is all the thoughts we have for the future. And this is the way the ego operates. Thinking it's in a body, the body is protecting the ego, and it's accumulating all it thinks it knows, all its past experiences, telling me what, I, what it thinks I am when it does not know what I am. And it says that right here. It uses its eyes to see, its ears to hear, and let it tell you what it feels, but it does not know. And uh, there's a part early on in the, in the text where it speaks of this, that we, we, we trust the messages that our body get, gives to the brain and we try to interpret it. And the ego does it from a, a defensive, instinctually protecting itself, the body itself, out of fear. And this is the way it interprets the messages of the world in a fearful way. So, you know, tearing that all down and, and, and seeing it for what it is and letting it go and saying, I've long and hard tried to interpret these messages, but I've been wrong. I've been mistaken in thinking this body is who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm mistaking um, perceiving the world through it solely without opening my mind and opening my heart and letting the fear go and asking the Holy Spirit to guide my, my new way of seeing. Now, practicing that, you know, my peace is disturbed. God, help me to see this through the eyes of God. Help me to see it through your eyes. God's witnesses, how does God's witnesses see the world? Through the, through the eyes of itself. It sees everything as itself without distinction, without differences. It sees it lovingly and everything as love, as a gift of its totality of its creation to the totality of its son as its one creation. There's no distinction and no difference in any of it. That it's one total awareness and one total experience of itself. And the miracles... Miracles being a correction for perception, that if I can look, remember to look lovingly on everything and not complain or criticize or judge anything to say, you know, I love this. I'm one with this. I'm, exp I'm experiencing myself. Everything is a part of me. Um, that in paragraph 58, it says that the miracle, the miracle speaks not 
but for itself, but what it represents. It represents me. The thought of love, which a miracle is, an expression of love, a thought is an expression. Expression of love is, is, is love expressing itself. Miracles in and of themselves do not matter. It's the source. And that we are one with the source of love from which all expressions of love come. And, you know, being, being witnessing to, a witness to miracle, you know, early on in the text it says, demonstrate you're not an ego. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am not who I think I am. I'm an idol and image of my own making. And this is something I have to participate with the Holy Spirit in undoing these fixed and hard and concrete, specific ideas about who I, I think I am and what I think I know about God's reality. And to an un, my unsealed and open mind, the truth may be revealed to me. I may be restored to knowing I am one in the mind of God. Where everything is perfect, perfectly ha- Perfect happiness, I am perfect happiness. I am the will of God. I am perfect peace. I am perfect joy. Revelation is pure experience of joy. And my mind has to choose that, and the lesson speaks of this. When I'm ready to make my mind at home in God, it's not where God is. It's where Jude's mind is abiding. Jude's mind needs to abide in the mind of God and know that it's one with it in order to have a constant and consistent experience of knowing that I am happiness itself, joy itself, peace itself, and that I encompass and and embrace everything and hold everything within it. And it's one and total reality. Who I'm jazzed today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being together here with me today. Amen. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. I love how you emphasize freedom of the mind. Yeah, it's really good. And this is Ida. When I look at that section, this section, the purpose of pain, I feel like I don't really understand it as well as I could or as much as I should. Yes, I'm shitting on myself. Um, but, but I can't really focus on or formulate uh, any particular question about it. <laughs> so that's where I am today with this. Um, section. Thanks. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Uh, thank you, Ida. Well, the, the one thing I read this morning was the final lesson Jesus says in the text, the final lesson that he learned was to listen to the one voice and um, the one vision of the Holy Spirit It was the universal call for joy and the difference between perception 
that perception, the sameness um, of, of the judgment, the dream of judgment, the same, sameness of the dream of judgment, that you can see thing as, things as painful or uh, as pleasurable, and, and that it doesn't make any difference whether you think it's a happy dream or, or a dream of misery. It's all a dream of per, in perception, and that the, the, the joy, the spirit, it's a, it's a spirit of joy, and it, it's a call to joy for joy to be itself. And, and J.C. says that's the final lesson, and that he, his lesson was complete because he had nothing else between him and God, and um, that perception was no more. And <laughs> it's like, that's what I want, that's all that I want, and I don't want anything else because there is nothing else. And brother, take my hand and lift me up. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I want to share my experience with pain and see what you guys think about it because... There's two kinds of pain that I experience. There's more like psychological pain that comes under that title is worry about the future or regret about the past or some sort of judgment. It's that's a psychological discomfort. And then there's the physical body discomfort. Now, the way I can deal with it better it's by not making up a story, a psychological story about the physical pain. Oh, this means that I won't be able to fill in the blanks. Some sort of story of lack and no hope. And then there's the psychological pain, which I, I agree with. Uh, Mickey Singer a lot. He says that I stored ex an experience that was traumatic when I was younger. I didn't let it just pass. Like, for example, I saw a snake hissing and I freaked out and I just didn't... I thought about that snake for weeks and weeks and weeks and then I finally stuffed it rather than just allow the discomfort of the snake to come and to pass and oh this was scary and then just let it go very much like a butterfly landing on my hand and I go oh how beautiful that too to let go the craving of the good and the resisting of the bad both are stored in my body as a type of pain psychological pain and what he says is these are some scars old oh, uh, stored stored in pain and discomfort so as they come up for awareness they it is uncomfortable as they come up to be released again that's why they come up like a splinter in my body will come to the surface in its in the wisdom of the body that's how it works the purification comes naturally and as we know in the course gently also and so the two types of pain are physical pain and 
I don't want to bypass it by going, this is not pain, this is just uh, the body's illusion. No, I, I don't, that doesn't work for me uh, at this time of my spiritual evolution. But it does work for me to relax and let it come up and let the story be one of positive. Uh, this is part of the healing process. So if I'm hurting physically, not to say to go on forever, but rather this is just in the moment and it'll and this too shall pass. I find today's reading somewhat of a impractical for me in terms of denying pain or calling it the body's way of making the body real, the ego's way of making the body real, uh, which brings to, to me another subject which is kind of uh, uh, spirituality equals love. Spirituality for me equals fulfillment. I'm just speaking for myself. Fulfillment, a place of not wanting. And it's possible in these in this physical life with my body. And that's enough for me. And it's practical. And it's as simple as becoming like a child, and it's available. I don't need to deny my body to reach fulfillment. And that's what I want, is a state of fulfillment. And that's where I, I experience it more and more. And uh, so that's those are a few of the things I have to say about it. That's where I'm at. Thank you for listening. Uh, uh, I'm not opposing the course. I take what is useful and I separate the wheat from the chaff in my own interpretation. And I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Thank, thank you, you for that. Steve. I <laughs> thank Steve, but I like have a feeling Lee. Uh, Flynn could have uh, really communicated um, his depth of knowledge about this particular reading and make it so that it so that it made more sense to me as well. Um, I feel that God uh, source has given us the body. And and so we are learning. It's a learning tool. It's a learning device. And we are learning through it. And if we didn't have it, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking together. So thank you, Steve. Yeah, me and Lee agree on the way of the body. Thank you. So there's somebody, there's three of us at least. <laughs> thank you. Well, I feel like I understand, you know, about pain and pleasure and how that's just of the body and pain can turn to pleasure and pleasure can turn to pain. And the miracle is kind of like the opposite of all that. I mean, I get when it says that sort of over and over in this section. I understand that. But it's just that there's something that seems to be missing from my understanding uh, of this section uh, something else, <laughs> and I don't know what it is, so I can't ask about it. 
<laughs> Thanks, I'm complete. Hi, um, hi. Thank you, Ida. Um, hi, Lemoyne. Hi. Well, thanks for standing in, Lori. The one thing I see to saw to emphasize in here is, uh, you know, after it talks directly about the body, right? The body in 56, the purposeless within itself. Yeah, that, uh, what does it say about the body? That the body is a learning device, right? And the worst thing it can do is fail to facilitate learning. But I think he makes it pretty clear that, you know, that it's, that whole 56 is, is about what we do with it instead. It's sort of like, you know, we use it as a, stalking horse to make fear real and uh, anyway the thing I would emphasize is where it goes next which is to say in top 57 God's witness Holy Spirit sees no witnesses against the body and then he says neither does he hearken to the witnesses by other name which speak in other ways for its reality you know, that's a form, and like all things of form, it has come it has come to pass. <laughs> and uh, you know, if if uh, if one of the main you know the main things we're here to do is work through our fears, um, you know what we what we do instead is tangle it up tangle up the body that is essentially neutral and could therefore be called innocent. <laughs> we tangle it up with our fears and hopes and dreams and and put all this stuff on it that it's not it's not really the body's you know, it's not the body thoughts that, you know, make us dream of a body doesn't make us dream of you know, some ideal life of perfect comfort or some great success in the world or anything. Yeah, but, and neither does it, you know, it's like he says, you, we use it somewhere in here. He says we use it, you know, what what we believe that it contains, it cannot contain. And that this is the call to go, this section I see is called to go beyond the fear that that would have us believe we're separate and alone. Well, I think a course of love says it directly that all everything that we see in the world and all the stuff we have like laws and structures and forms and everything is just to demonstrate to us that we're not separate and alone. And I think the body is the same way. I mean, if you look at the body, it can only live in relationship with the air, with the getting enough water that passes, you know, this is a relationship with water and some level of feeding, at least to grow. And uh, 
know, the miracle is not bound by that. That the miracle is not bound by that, and neither are we. Yeah, we are. We are far more than just a body. Anyway, I'm complete. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lemoyne. That was great. I would um, just like to offer that. Um, Thank you. Did you want to share something? So, um, in, in investigating and exploring the idea that I'm not a, uh, the victim of the world uh, became much more intimate for me into, into, into looking into who and what I am as I am not a victim of the body. I mean, I, I, I can't separate the two. The experience of being in the body is the experience of being in the world. And I can't honestly say to myself, that I'm not a victim of the world unless I understand that I'm not a victim of the body. And it says in the reading that, that the world, we're, we're, I think it's in 57, um, that God, God's witnesses doesn't hearken to, wait, no, 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 no. He knows the body is not real. Nor could it tell a part of God himself what it should feel and what its function is. That um, And, you know, I, I hearken back to I am light and I am joy and I am peace. They abide in me and seek not outside of me. And, Lori, you referred to that, you know, this inside-outside business that we res- wrestle with, this, you know, that nothing is, absolutely nothing is outside of the mind of God, which I am a part of, and, and, and yet the perception of the body the perception of a separate thought in a separate mind perceives the body as itself. Separate, a separate thinker perceiving itself as a body is outside of the mind of God. The God knows nothing of this. And the self that I made is not the son of God. This self doesn't exist at all. Anything it seems to do and think means nothing. It's neither bad nor good, it's unreal, and nothing more than that. It doesn't do battle with God, because God's unchangeable and un- unalterable. It can't hurt the Son of God, nor does it attack my peace. It hasn't changed my creation, how God created me to be, to be lightness, incredible lightness of spirit, the incredible lightness of be- a being of joy, a spiritual being of joy. And... and you know that my sinlessness, my sinlessness and my innocence, and and are not matters of degree. They're not matters of degree or differences or distinctions. It's all one and the same. It can't be divided or taken apart. It's 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 one in its perfect wholeness. The kingdom of God is God created reality, and it's twice removed from signs and symbols, words, and, you know, in the practicing of the exercises, it says we should be going to a wordless experience now because what we are, we can't speak. We can't define it. We can't name it, label it. We can't see it with our body's eyes. 
This is our formless, perfect, empty but totally full state of being one with our Creator. It's the Son, the wholeness, the totality of His creation. So, this is big. I am complete. Mm, Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Patricia, here, uh, this text calls me to that moment uh, when all of life changed for me. Absolute, no doubt about it, I am not a body. And never could anybody convince me of it again. And it was on the birthing table, you guys. I circumstances ended up that I'm delivering my first child with no medications. And uh, I, my body is doing just what this text wrote. My body was taking what was could be perceived pain and breathing this blessing into it till it was so liquid that the, there would be an orgasmic ripple. And then it would take this perceived, oh my God, pleasure, wanting to understand or grab onto this pleasure thing and take it into a total surrender of the willingness to die for what something other than this body was giving birth to. And that willingness to die to pleasure and to give love and all of life to pain, delivered this child, and the doctors and everybody backed away, because I won't make a long story, but it was an impossible birth, and it happened. But it wasn't me, you guys. So then I knew there was something other than a body, but boy, did God or that something give me a temple to learn, to learn how to do it this way. So then I come to the lesson quickly. A happy outcome to all things is sure. Well, the way that has read to me now, 70-some years later, with this curriculum now, knowing I'm not a body, but I have a body that presents a happy outcome with every word I speak or I am silent. And that happy outcome goes inside and I am filled with that happy outcome. And that happy outcome is what this body brings to all things for Sure. Thank you. Thank you for that, Patricia. That's yeah, very good. Thanks. thanks, Patricia. Like that. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning. This is Sandra. <clears throat> and um In our society, with new technologies and AI, pretty soon bodies will become obsolete anyway. It's a good thing we're not identified with them. I'm complete. 
Thank you for saying that. Sounds a little bit scary to me, though, especially the AI part. Um, I've heard bad things about that, but what I've got to believe is what's in the Course. What Jesus says is that, well, the, the very lesson we're studying today, a happy outcome to all things is sure. That would be those sort of larger world issues as well as our personal life issues. So I'm hanging on to that right now. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Uh, This is Donna. Thanks to all. I always glean so much by listening. I I found sections four through seven just created an expansion of understanding in me. And um, starting with, uh, anyway, we started four was in reference to power. And then the lesson that God's promises reminded me that that God's Promises represent God's power, and and I I understand this, and I put it in writing, and so just so I make more sense, <laughs> uh, I'm going to read what's come to me. The opening, uh, the opening reading confirms for me uh, yesterday's reading, in which I got the message that healing is assured. So there, God always confirms his word. So I thought, oh, wonderful. And then this fabulous, fabulous, fabulous section today. Uh, Pain and pleasure are the same in purpose. They make the body real and distract us from our attention to hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We are assured, nonetheless, the Holy Spirit will prevail, for he recalls us to reality. Pain and pleasure are distractions Holy Spirit will use for the purpose of miracles and of mitigating issues. I am practicing looking through pain and pleasure and the collective world activity and address what comes up in the moment. Understanding now, this is the, quote, when the Holy Spirit can clear the clutter of the world from my holy mind to be used for miracles. I am learning to let him. Lesson 292 again confirms this. And um, when I saw the God's promise, it reminded me of um, an experience I had where I I call it dialoguing or uh, journaling with Jesus. When I'm troubled, I sit down and speak, Lord, for thy servant here. And he usually will respond. He does respond, actually. But during the early days of, of my chemo, I was journaling with Jesus. 
and he had made me a promise. And he and I, he, uh, he had made me a promise. I asked him, "Am I going to live? Or am I going to be healed?" And he said, "I promise you, Donna." So I doubted that down the road, probably about a year later, <laughs> I was still in chemo. And so I, I asked him again. And, and he said to me, Donna, well, he didn't say Donna first. You know what? Maybe he did. He says, Donna, I keep my promised promises. So now anytime I get distracted with the busy thinking mind, <laughs> Uh, some people call it the ego mind. I re- recall this eternal promise. And I claim I overcame death because I was given the diagnosis, you'll be dead in less than three months, get your house in order. So it, it I overcame fear during that period of time. You know, it doesn't seem like anything changed except when fear tries to come in reintroduce itself to me I am reminded that only I can take myself in there only only I can uh, backslide so to speak and get in and enjoy my misery a little bit and it's easy to do I'm still working big on not looking out and judging it's a tough tough cookie and to look within myself and judge Uh, so I'm very grateful uh, for everything that God has given us, all the tools, I have to say I kind of use the lens of metapsychiatry, Dr. Horace works too, to reduce this language of the course, which is so beautiful, to just a little different language, but it's the same, it's the same quality. I am complete and thank you. Thank you, Donna. I really yeah, enjoyed thank that. Thank you, Donna. Me too. Great story. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Donna. Jude, I was just looking at the, the lesson, and um, it says, I have the outcome to all things is sure, and um, only joy can be the final outcome, that spirit is in a constant, consistently, purely joyous state, and um, that is God's will for us, perfect happiness, perfect peace. And it says, yet it is up to us when this is reached, how long will we let an alien will appear to be opposing his? While I continue to have a fixed belief in something that I'm not, I will not come to the realization, to the recognition, to the revelation of the truth of who and what I am. The end. Thank you. 
<laughs> the end. Thanks, Judy. Welcome, morning, everyone. This is Lori. And I just have to say my favorite line in this lesson, aside from all the hope it contains, is help us not to interfere. Help us not to interfere with the happy outcome that's guaranteed for all things. And, and from that position, um, what are what are those interferers? What what interferes? I had a friend um, once that I dialogued with quite a bit, and um, and over the course of this dialogue, and this is how I learn what I am actually is in dialogue and in sharing like we share on this call every day. I start to learn what I want to pay attention to. And anyway, in the course of this dialogue with a friend, I was trying to explain um, how how I became sick <laughs> in my body 20 years ago and was given a pretty high, uh, hopeless diagnosis. And all that that meant to what was going on in my life at the time. And at that time, uh, two things happened simultaneously. One, I started to see myself in a very, very limited fashion. And two, life gave me the opportunity to be helpful to someone else. And it was all very disorienting over the course of a couple of years. And I was left with... Um, I was, I was left with a constellation of beliefs, um, and, and I'm, what I'm going for here is how beliefs become a limit. I was left with a constellation of beliefs based on what I'd been told and experienced in my body that I was therefore limited by conditions that had nothing to do with my mind. And now you're being asked to live out those limitations. But there was a part of my mind that said that can't possibly be real. Um, regardless of how it feels to me, it can't possibly be real because um, miracles are still happening. And people still come into my life and I'm still able to love and be loved. And, and, and so over the course of that confusion, um, something started to settle. Some wonderful thing that wasn't a limit that said this set of limitations based on a belief can't be true. And, um, and I heard myself saying, well, this is all the stuff I've been told and these are my experiences and, and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and, and blah, 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 to the point that I thought, oh my God, I finally see it. I finally see it. I, I believed all that and I can change my mind. I believed all that 
and I can change my mind. In fact, believing all that, I'm really tired of that. <laughs> I made myself sick of myself, uh, you might say, um, in the course of the dialogue about limitations. And I think in the same way that's what this section is asking. You know, that's not what you really want. None of that is what you really want. What you really want is freedom. And freedom is of the mind. And mind cannot suffer unless it accepts beliefs that aren't true. And what is a miracle but a healing of my perception of limitations? To me, that's the most powerful and profound definition of a miracle that I can that I can arrive at. Healing is of the mind. And when my perceptions of limitations are healed, whatever the body seems to be experiencing is no longer my goal. My goal is united purpose. And purpose is uh, of the Father. Purpose is my will, my joint will, in conjunction with Source. Mind, our mind, our holy mind, this holy mind that we share, knows itself by extension, by reaching out, by sharing what can be shared. Love and forgiveness and release from limitations. So if I'm going around seeing myself limited in this body, I've I've not accepted my purpose. My, I've not accepted purpose of mine. But when my perceptions are healed, my perceptions of limitation, whatever they may be, however I may be seeming to suffer from this limitation, when I allow it to clear from me, just clear from and that's how I use forgiveness of the body. I seem to be experiencing something that I don't like. I would reject. I call it by name. I make it real. I have another choice. I have another choice. I don't have to make it real. I don't have to call forth the witness of the body's reality. Rather, I can call upon truth, the Holy Spirit in my mind. And the Holy Spirit in my mind will heal the perception of limitation and will provide me with an opportunity to use this circumstance, whatever it may be. Use this circumstance of limitation as a way of sharing freedom. Even if I'm you know, sitting at the doctor's office getting help for something, I can view that as a situation of, you know what, here's someone I can bless, and here's someone who blesses me. And whether it's an opportunity for that person to bless me or me to bless him, it makes no difference because I've shared the truth, the unity of love, the blessing that we are to each other. And that's the extension of mind. That's my purpose. My body's not my goal. It's not the end. And making it an end um, will limit me so terribly. 
but sharing purpose with the Holy Spirit, using everything that arrives in the moment, even if it's painful. You know, um, I can transform that with my mind simply by acknowledging that something's clearing from my awareness, some other thing, some splinter uh, in my mind that I don't need is clearing. And when I allow that to happen, my perceptions are healed, and that's a miracle. And that's shared. That's always shared. Um, limitations only um, deny me the opportunity to be the truth that I am. Freedom from body as a goal is what Holy Spirit's offering. The ego body illusion is part of the same mistake. And when I don't make it real um, and allow truth to guide my actions, um, I'm participating in unified purpose with the Holy Spirit. My will is aligned with Holy Spirit. And in that sense, a happy outcome is assured. I'm complete. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Lori. Oh, that was great. Thank you, Lori. Thanks a lot. Well... If there's no further shares here, I think a good place, a really good place to close this call is from Chapter 8. In light of today's lesson, a happy outcome is is guaranteed. I like this paragraph 67 in Chapter 8. 67, yeah. Joy is unified purpose. And unified purpose is only God's. When yours is unified, it is His. Interfere with His purpose and you need salvation. You've condemned yourself, but condemnation is not of God. Therefore, it is not true. No more are any of the results of your condemnation. When you see yourself as a body or your brother as a body, you are condemning him because you've condemned yourself. Yet if all condemnation is unreal, and it must be unreal since it is a form of attack, it can have no results. Do not allow yourself to suffer from the results of what is not true. Free your minds from the belief that this is possible. In its complete impossibility and your full awareness of its complete impossibility lie your only hope for release. But what other hope would you want? Freedom from illusions lies only in not believing them. Where are they without your belief? There is no attack, but there is unlimited communication and therefore unlimited power and wholeness. Power of wholeness is extension. Do not arrest your thought in this world and you will open your mind to creation in God. That's freedom.
Amen. Thank you, everyone. This is a great call. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Lori and Lemoyne. Mm-hmm.